The Horse and Hound podcast. Hello and welcome to the Horse and Hound podcast daily Tokyo special, supported by Toggy. I'm Pippa Room, magazine editor at Horse and Hound, and I am out in Japan with my colleague Polly Bryan. How are you, Polly? Hi, Pippa. Yes, I'm very well, thank you. It feels very strange to be doing this uh, podcast in the light for the first time since we've been here. <laughs> yeah, it is currently 20 past two in the afternoon. We've just got back after this morning's event and dressage session. So as Polly says, it's the first time that we haven't had a late night podcast session. It is. Anyway, Pippa, tell us the headlines from the uh, end of the dressage in the eventing this morning. So we had our final eventing dressage session this morning, as Polly said. We saw the third riders in every team. And the headline is that Britain are holding the team gold, which is absolutely fantastic news. It's the position we had at the end of yesterday, but held on to it through the third riders today. That's so impressive. And what a what a great sort of position to be in going into the cross country. Um, there was one British rider riding today, wasn't there, Pippa? Who was that? So we had Tom McEwen riding today and we said yesterday it was a bit weird that the Brits were holding the team gold but neither of the riders were actually that happy with their tests or their marks and it was kind of the same story today and it's really a measure of the strength of this British team that we had three riders who were disappointed with their tests and or marks and yet they're holding the team gold which is just remarkable but Tom did a good job um, his trot work was lovely he got some good marks in the later canter as well we know that Toledo de Cursa that the walk is his weakest pace and the marks did come down there that was always to be expected the thing that was unfortunate was that there were mistakes in his first two flying changes. As we said yesterday, this is a test where everything comes up quickly. And having been late for the first change, it was then impossible for him to get the second one for the high marks. So mm. that was a bit disappointing and pulled his score down a bit. Yeah. So, yeah, in the end, Tom scored 28.9 and he's sitting 12th individually. Yeah, it was interesting that he, he talked about his changes and he said he, he did you know really prepare quite well for them he thought but sometimes they just don't come off which is which is just unfortunately how it goes sometimes yeah it definitely is particularly at an olympics anyway we had a chat with tom a couple of weeks ago about why coming to an olympics is such a special thing for him riding the olympics is very special uh i love my badminton and burleys that's sort of what i've grown up especially being so close to badminton I've always loved watching watching the team events. Um, something special. I love the team sort of competition side of things when I was at school playing rugby. And yeah, for me, it, it's all of a sudden, for all the years that I've been very antisocial and away in the lorry and missing out on many a thing, people can then sort of understand why I've done it and what it's gone towards um, rather than just the eventing community, sort of in inverted commas. Um, it means something to everyone. Everyone then knows sort of how hard you've worked towards it. And it sort of means something to everyone. It gets everyone else involved that maybe not so involved in our small world that seems rather large to us, but actually um, there's much more more going on. So yeah, it, it'd be a dream come true. And to be able to do it with Toledo is sort of even more special. Sort of um, very lucky to have him and uh, very lucky to be riding with such a great team of other riders and horses. And how about the other two British riders? They were sitting in really, really strong positions yesterday, weren't they? Where are they now? Yup, they're still in strong positions. So Oliver Townend is in the individual silver position with Balamore class. I would not have said at the beginning, you know, when he was the second into the arena, that he would hold his place in that lineup quite so high up the leaderboard. Not because he didn't do a good test, but just because the marks do tend to improve through the sessions. Most teams put their best rider in the third rider rotation. So there can be, you know, six of the top 10 riding in that last session sometimes to championship and everything changes. 
but uh, yeah, he, he holds the individual silver position. So good for Oliver and Ballamore class. That's so exciting. And Laura Collett and London 52 is sitting sixth. So I said at the beginning that I expected all the Brits to be in the top 10 after dressage and I hoped for them all to be in the top five. They're all in the top 12 and we've got two in the top six. So I'm pretty happy to settle for that and team gold at the moment. Yeah, that would definitely be uh, that would definitely be a good result. Um, so obviously one person did manage to sneak in front of Oliver. That person didn't come to right at the end. And uh, Pippa, I'm sure you're going to tell everyone who it was. Absolutely. So no surprises, really. Michael Young, the reigning Olympic champion, got in there, second to last rider, and he just blew everybody away. He scored 21.1. His work with Chimp Monk was a real step above everything else we've seen over the two days. You know, he it was a very accurate test, but also expressive. He manages to combine the two the two points. He said that he felt he had good harmony and partnership with the horse today. Obviously not a horse he's had all through his career. He's had him for three years now. And he said that actually having an extra year with the horse with COVID has been to his advantage to really build that partnership. Yeah, I, I can see they do have a strong partnership and I only managed to catch a bit of his, well, the last part of his counter section. Um, but I mean, from my point of view, I can definitely see that Michael Young does ride, I think up to Grand Prix in pure dressage because he was so professional in that arena. And yeah, the parts I saw were really, really good. Yeah, and he has dragged the German team well up the leaderboard as well. So they now sit second behind the Brits. So playing to form so far. But it was impressive today that New Zealand got into mm. the team bronze position at the end of the standings. Which Yeah, it was. Yeah, it might not have been what everyone expected, I don't think, Polly. Like, I think the New Zealanders would say themselves that they would expect to be stronger in the jumping phases and would have expected to play catch up. But yeah. Tim Price did a really good test today to sit fifth with Vitali on 25.6 and that really helped the Kiwis up the team leaderboard but an interesting story there with Vitali Tim has only had him since last October um, they've only had sort of five or six runs together oh crikey uh, yeah it's pretty impressive yeah, and wow. Tim said you know everything had to go right all the way through the, the months they've been together for him to be in the position to be here and it's not as if Tim didn't have other options you know the prizes had a wealth of other options and uh, several horses each on the nominated entries but this horse got the nod and you can really see why he was very impressive today yeah no I I didn't actually manage to see very much of Tim's test but uh but definitely I was I looked at his score and I thought oh I should have watched that one <laughs> yeah it was funny because I was um I was speaking to another rider and as I sort of turned away I looked up the leaderboard and I saw that Tim had sort of fives on the scoreboard from the judges for his first center line and I hadn't obviously seen what's happening and I was like, oh, what's going on there? And then I watched the rest of the test, which was great. Saw the higher marks coming through. So then I had to say to Tim when I saw him, mm, what happened on your first centre line? <laughs> um, and it seems like he came from the canter down to the trot. There's no halt on the centre line in this new test. But he came from canter into trot on that centre line and then put his leg on to lift the trot forward. And the horse went back into canter, which was unfortunate. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, the fact they don't halt on the centre line does keep catching me out, doesn't it, Pippa? I keep thinking they've missed it. <laughs> it is a bit, It is confusing, but you have to say there are two halts in the test anyway, so it's not necessary. <laughs> I, it's, uh, it speeds everything along. But um, yeah, that was the only real mistake Tim made in his test. So as we say, he's, he's in a good position and so are New Zealand. Polly, coming to you and what you've been doing, you have been speaking to a, a bunch of riders again and finding out their stories. Who caught your eye and ear today? Uh, well, I mentioned earlier that I only managed to catch the end part of Michael Young's test. And that was uh, because I was having a really, really lovely chat with Nicholas Vetstein, who is 
the rider who uh, once rode for Switzerland. Um, he now rides for Ecuador, which is the nationality of his wife. Um, he switched nationality a few years ago and he was just a delight to chat to. He is a true amateur rider. He works very high up in a pharmaceutical company in Switzerland um, and employs lots of people who he said were being very, very supportive of the fact that their boss has come away to compete at the Olympic Games. And he was just a really lovely chap. We had a very nice chat all about how he juggles, you know, working in a in a real job um, with riding. And he said, of course, as, as many people will know, it involves a lot of very early mornings, a lot of late nights, a lot of sacrifice. Um, he's also fascinating because he uh, started off his junior career riding for France, actually. His mother is French and he then rode for Switzerland before as, as swapping to Ecuador, as we mentioned. He speaks five languages, which I'm very jealous of because I uh, only speak one. And uh, yeah, he was just an all round lovely guy and a, and a real pleasure to talk to. Great, Polly. And what about who else? Give me one more from today. Do you know, one who just put a smile on my face was the third rider from the Thai team, Kontawat Samran, who is known as Nut to, to his friends and family. That's his nickname. He finished in 27th on um, a score of 32.5 and he was absolutely thrilled. And that sort of pleasure is really infectious in a mix zone, I think. It really, it really lifted my spirits in what was quite a sort of hot and sweaty period of the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you've spoken to all the Thai riders, Polly, and are planning to write up something about them mm. on our website, the first Thai team to come to an Olympics. And it's really notable that actually the scores are close across the board in the team competition. Um, Thailand only, well, less than three marks behind Ireland, which is a far more traditional eventing nation. So although both those teams are towards the bottom of the leaderboard in this new format, it really is all to play for. And we'll talk a little more about that when we come out of this break. The Horse and Hound Podcast Daily Tokyo Special is supported by Toggy. Shop the sport, outdoor and British equestrian Team GBR collection at toggy.com. Technical, tested, trusted Toggy. So Pippa, we are all really, really excited for the cross country tomorrow. We've mentioned a little bit about it already on our previous daily podcasts, but I just wanted to sort of ask, you know, where is it? And more importantly, how do the horses actually get there? Do they travel today or do they go tomorrow morning? It starts very early. So the cross country takes place on an island of reclaimed land. There was one point earlier in the week when I was explaining to someone that uh, it's sort of an island made of rubbish, essentially, I believe. <laughs> um, so I did end up calling it a rubbish island, which wasn't what I meant in any way. But uh, yeah, sea forest, rubbish island, as I've now christened it. It's about an hour's drive from the equestrian park, having been driven there um, myself earlier in the week a couple of times. The horses go down there this afternoon. I think that operation is probably underway as we speak, sort of in a convoy of, of trucks um, provided by the event and organised by the event. I think it's the same transportation as they had from the airport when they arrived in the country. They will stable down there, stabling all laid on specially for them and you know, all the all the mod cons they could desire down there. So they'll rest up there this afternoon and overnight, do the cross country early, early tomorrow morning. It starts at 7.45 a.m. local time um, to take advantage of the slightly cooler part of the day, although it will certainly be hot by the time they finish up at 11. And then they will travel back to the equestrian park in the afternoon, ready for the show jumping on Monday. Good stuff. And 
we've spoken a little bit today between ourselves about the fact that obviously as we know there are only three on a team this year um and we've been we've been discussing how that might play out in terms of tactics on cross country day what do you think pippa this is such an interesting one i know we talked about three to a team in dressage but when you bring cross country into the mix and the risks are so much greater definitely yeah it becomes really (laughs) fascinating so Obviously, in the traditional eventing team competition, you always knew you had that one one score in reserve, so to speak. So you could afford to maybe take some risks. Um, you could afford a few different things. You could afford to take a risk and for someone to really go for the clear. And if they had a problem, you would maybe rein back and go safer with your later riders to ensure you got three scores home you might ask your first rider to go a bit slower and test out the long routes and see if the time was achievable with them knowing that you might be able to drop that score with the time faults um but we have none of that so it's a really interesting one to know where the teams are going to very much play safe and say right we need to get three people home we're going to accept some time faults we're going to take some long routes we're really prioritizing the team competition or whether you might look at it and if you've got an individual medal contender in your team you might say well we don't want to risk them holding back for the team competition and then someone in the team having a fall and we lose everything so it's a really tricky and interesting one gosh it really is especially as you say for those teams who are not only in contention for a team medal but also for individual medals as well have you have you spoken to any of the riders about their sort of potential tactics ahead of tomorrow yeah new zealand have been quite open about their tactics they are very much prioritizing the team competition i spoke to janelle price the pathfinder yesterday and she said she will be playing it much safer than she would normally and her husband tim who's the anchor man echoed her this afternoon so yep they are a team who are prioritizing the team competition and i would expect to see janelle going out taking some long routes not something we normally expect from janelle mm. so that'll be an interesting early rider to get a mark on whether you janelle is a fast rider so it'll be an interesting mark to see whether you can get near the time while maybe taking a couple of long routes Oh, yes, we'll definitely be looking out for her. And what about the Brits? Have you heard what they might be planning? No, playing their cards close to their chest at the moment. I don't have any inside info on their tactics. But the thing that we were discussing, Polly, in the taxi on the way home is that Oliver being the best place to the Brits and being the second rider on the course throws up such an interesting conundrum because... It would be awful if Oliver was asked to play it a little safe. He maybe took some long routes and had five time faults. That lost him his individual medal position. And then one of the later riders had a fall or a run out, which put us out of contention as a team and we lost everything. So I don't know which way they're going to play it. I sort of hope to see Oliver going out all guns blazing. It feels like if he could get a really, obviously what we hope is that he'd get a clear inside the time in the bag and we'd know he'd be no worse than second overnight. That would be a dreamy position to spend the rest of the day in. And I sort of, I hope that's the team tactics, although it slightly plays against my instincts because I'm not really a risk taker. Part of me (laughs) wants to go, just go slowly and get home for the team. But I feel like going slowly and getting home for the team is actually putting all your eggs in one basket more than trying to get that fast clear on the board in a way where you're continuing to be in the hunt for individual and team medals. Does that make sense, Polly? Yeah, it does. And I think I agree with you in the sense of, you know, the, the potential for a team like Britain to win four medals, right? So, you know, if, if, you're, if you're going out there with the individual medals in mind, as well as the team medals, you might still win one or two, even if something happens that means the team medal becomes out of your reach. Absolutely. And of course, we hope the team medal won't slip from their reach and we'll be in the individual and uh, team gold tomorrow night would be great. But uh, I wouldn't necessarily expect anything (laughs) to happen to Michael, but we'll see a lot can happen tomorrow. 
Very much fingers crossed. And as you say, all three Brits are still in contention for, for team medals, particularly when you look ahead to Monday and there are two show jumping rounds before we get to those individual medals. They are all on good cross-country horses. Let's hear from Laura talking about London 52 in this phase. London 52 is a great cross-country horse. He's really grown into himself in the last 18 months and I think the real turning point for him was Poe in the five-star last year. Um, he really just grew in confidence and suddenly had this self-belief and and it's made him a fantastic horse. He's always been brilliant on his um, lines and his skinnies and things like that. So he's, he's a big horse but and, and he's got an amazing gallop, but he's very adjustable. He's sort of like a, a big pony to ride, so um, makes my job very easy. So Polly, this is where we preview tomorrow's action, but we haven't actually finished with today's action yet. You've got to head back to the equestrian park. What are you going to be doing there? Yes, I am jumping back in a taxi in, uh, I was about to say a couple of hours, but it's actually um, less than that now. And I'm heading back over to the equestrian park for the show jumping trot up, first trot up for the jumping, which uh, the jumping begins on Tuesday and they have their trot up this evening. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm uh, looking forward to seeing the jumping horses coming out. I'm obviously very, very much looking forward to seeing our four British horses, Scott Brashes, Jefferson, Ben Mayers, Explosion W, Holly Smith, Denver and Harry Charles's Romeo 88. Brilliant. Well, we'll be getting into the show jumping from Tuesday next week, mm. but Polly will be getting a little preview on all those show jumpers. Meanwhile, Polly and I and our photographer, Peter Nixon, managed to squeeze in a unique Olympic experience today. <laughs> what was it, Polly? Oh, this was really, really exciting for me, um, um, uh, you know, because this is my first Olympics, especially. We went and sought out the Olympic rings at the equestrian park which stands sort of just outside the stadium in, in what would have been the sort of shopping and, and spectator area had there have been fans as was originally expected here but that might have been quite empty but the olympic rings were standing proudly in the middle and we went along with uh, our photographer peter's lovely camera and took some fun photos um jumping up and down next to the rings and uh yeah generally being very excited to be at an olympic games yeah, my first Olympics as an accredited journalist was Rio. And I didn't even realise the rings were a physical thing which existed at the <laughs> venues. I, th I just thought, you know, they were a thing that you saw, you know, written down, drawn on paper. And I, like Polly, was incredibly excited to find them. At Rio, I have to say, you were allowed to climb on them for your photos. And that was definitely uh. not encouraged in the equestrian park. There was a... Uh, a volunteer who had to stand there and prevent people from climbing on them and also move us along because even without spectators there was a bit of a queue from volunteers yeah. and journalists <laughs> and riders to get their pictures there um, and it was as Polly said in that area that would have been a spectator hub and it was quite sad to see that all shut up and the shops mm. that, that they should have been going in but uh, anyway we're here we're doing our best to bring you all the action we are and we are having a fabulous time um no matter all the slight strangeness that this olympics brings it is still great fun to be here on the ground it is i did say to polly earlier don't forget the olympics is a marathon not a sprint for journalists <laughs> because uh, there's as we said earlier been a lot of late nights and early mornings so we're both trying to catch up on sleep when we can so that we can continue to bring you great work when we are awake well, I think that's it for today, Polly. You'd better go and write a few more stories before you get back to the park. Yep, that's the plan. I am going to be writing my eventing dressage copy for the magazine this afternoon, so that's all done before cross-country. 
And we will be back with you tomorrow, probably at a similar time, to round up the cross-country actions. That will be an exciting day. Meanwhile, thank you for listening to the Horse and Hound podcast daily Tokyo special, supported by Toggy. Thank <laughs> you.